0: Blog Talk Radio. All
1: right, Let's all right, yeah. Show. Uh, you guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. I am Grim Shay, and joining me as always is Marky. Say hey, Marky. Hey, hey, yo. Today, we're talking uh, all about stuntmen. <laughs>
0: and, uh, the, the stunt guy. Yeah,
1: the stunt guy. The unknown stuntman. Lee Major said it best uh-huh. in, uh, in song form. Uh, and we're talking to Mike Mayhall, a uh, career stuntman who actually just uh, wrote, directed, starred in and stunt choreographed whatever his own movie, Jake's Road. Jake we'll Road. To get into that more later, yeah. though, because before we go any further, uh, you, Marky, and not me, <laughs> I, I wasn't smart enough, but you were able to actually go up to L.A. and hit Kamikaze, yep. which is not just – I know you like to go to conventions anyway, but this is special. Long-time listeners will remember the premiere of Nobility – that we've been following since it was just a just a, a, a sparkle of a thought in EJ's eye. That's <laughs> true. We did, huh? Now it finally premiered. I want to hear the story. Tell me about Kamikaze. Tell me about Nobility. I didn't get to go. Fill us all in.
2: Um, it was my first Halloween. Time. It was, yeah, it was on Halloween. What a day for added, a
1: for a convention.
2: Yeah, I think it it totally added to the whole experience. Obviously, you know, it, it, I think it. Quadrupled the amount, the ratio of costume or cosplay yeah. to normal, you know, attendee. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it it was kind of a flashback to. For me, was San Diego Comic Con fifteen years ago. You know, it really it's not studio driven. You know, like you, yeah. you get there and the the exhibit hall is it's filled with mostly a, a lot of friends of mine call it like the flea market side. Of San Diego Comic Con or yeah, the swap meet mean. side, right? Which, by the way, it's getting smaller every year. Yeah, you know, it used to be all the way to the north side
1: in at uh, San Diego. At San
2: Diego, uh, and now it's not. They're starting to eat. You know, it, it was all the way to the north to the middle, and now the the very very north is starting to get bought up by video games, and then it's starting to squeeze the flea market ooh. side. Yeah, so. I really get very little of this type of Comic Con. Uh, so it, it was almost
1: like going back in time. Yeah, it when really you was. Walked into the L.A. Convention
2: Center. Yeah, where you could actually like buy comics. You know, yeah, you could actually buy like little tiny toys, not like crazy lines for exclusives and all that other stuff,
1: but like, you know, yeah. What? Well, I mean, were there like lines for exclusives? Do they do they have? kind of the same practices but just on a smaller scale. Yeah,
2: there was a couple little things like there was uh, hot topic who make uh, you know pop culture you know style of clothing, right? They've yeah. got all the cool yeah. t-shirts and um they're really good about like throwing back, you know, they'll have like a Miami Vice shirt or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but now yeah, they had a lot of like exclusive, you know, shirts or you know, related you know, type of you know, uh, doodads and things. But
1: Mattel yeah. wasn't selling no. 5,000 limited nope. edition Kamikaze exclusive. Nope. That you didn't get...
2: And I got nothing guy. like that. No, I mean, it was all just more, you know, private, you know, independent little vendors. And, and, and there there wasn't a good deal... Yeah, exactly. Life's
1: blood of the convention circuit. Exactly.
2: It was a, a, like a, a traveling circus of pop culture vendors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um and, you know, many of them may go to San Diego Comic-Con. They're just enveloped in this madness, yeah. you know. And now you kind of get to hang around. There's a lot more space and things like that. So that that was oh, yeah. cool. Marvel
1: didn't set up a big giant booth exactly. and take any of their, their property. Well, right. what else was there aside from that?
2: Um, the there band? was a Kevin J. Anderson um, a booth. It was a, it was a big – it was kind of like a foresighter. Uh He's a very popular science fiction uh, fantasy author. He did – I know him from the Star Wars books that I read. He's famous for like Jedi Academy and things. Oh yeah, I know. I know that name. He might have done the courtship princess. Anyway, he did. I probably read about five or six of his Star Wars books. I I thought he only did ten or twelve. It turns out he's done like 54 Star Wars books alone. Fifty-four Star Wars books. Yeah, and they're all into the into the expanded universe junk pile now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> None of it's valid. And I actually did get a chance to meet him. He was at his own booth. And I actually asked him about that. Oh, poor I'm like guy. Well I was just like, Look, I mean I read your books really early on and, and you know a lot of my favorite Star Wars characters are in your books, you know. One of them was like a female admiral was in you know, was in one of his books and um I think anyway. Anyway, but I connected with his books, I connected with his stories, with his Star Wars stories and a lot of them. Are they're not a part of the canon anymore?
1: Yeah, I, I now kinda they're talked apparently about, just some feverish dream someone had. Yeah, yeah. Now that Disney's come in and streamlined it. Right? Well,
2: it's funny that you even say that because the way that he sees the way that he sees it is kind of how you just stated, and kind of how I say it, or h- how I see it, and it's also how the Disney people are integrating it. Um, it's that these stories aren't necessarily false in the Star Wars universe. Mm. But you have to treat these stories that are not official canon as maybe myths, stories told within the official canonized Star Wars universe. Oh,
1: so, like so, what what Hercules would be exactly Greek history. Exactly. Okay. There,
2: these are stories that are told, and that you maybe they're true, maybe they're not. You have no way of knowing. But over time, and and I, I again, I had this conversation with him. Over time, they're going to start to integrate. Certain characters from what was previously the thrown-away expanded universe, and um, in the most recent book, uh, uh, *Aftermath*, which takes place, the official canonized what happens after *Return of the Jedi* book. Yeah, there are certain references to what was expanded universe characters.
1: So it's so, so, so bringing right it in. It's, oh, yeah. So and this guy with 54 in Star Wars books, I imagine he's got to have exactly. a bunch of characters so he could be called. Exactly. That's that's called covering the spread right there. Right,
2: exactly. And you're gonna be able to pluck away from really popular ones and reintroduce them and of course the next logical question is are you doing any of these? And what he did he says, say? He says, I would love to, but I haven't been asked. So no. Star Wars publishers, this guy, Kevin J. Anderson, he's a great author, even better fellow Good work, Kevin, yeah, well, J. Anderson. Uh, Kevin J.
1: Anderson. Glad you had a good time with him. You're one panel of the day. What'd you do after the panel?
2: Well, and it was why I was there. Uh, uh-huh. we went to nobility. We there? yeah. Nobility.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this thing probably went super smooth, came off without a hitch, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, how could a fledgling, independent production show not go without it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell tell us, us theoretically, how it might have happened.
2: All right, so I'm going to pull up the schedule that I was emailed and invited to. The red carpet was 3.30. The invitation-only premiere of the pilot with short intro by Walter Koenig was 4.30. The nobility panel was at 5.30.
1: So that the panel is the, uh, like, like everybody can go in. Exactly. just, as long as there are seats. Exactly. Okay.
2: The, from 7 to 8 was the press junket in that same room. And at 8 p.m., the after party across the street at Club Nokia. Now, the very good people at Nobility of the Series did send me invites to all this. So I was, you know, my plan was to go there to see this. Really? Luckily, there was a convention going on with a lot of cool other stuff. But anyway, I went to go see this, and the red carpet was great. Red carpet was great, and at around 3.30 or later it started, but it was a slow. The, the
1: red carpet right, started that right. was scheduled for 3.
2: It was started for 3.30, but it was probably oh. a little after. But anyway, red carpets are typically whenever they get there, because that's the point. Yeah. They're walking to get in. you know. Mm. So a red carpet is usually you know sporadic when people arrive, and people take yeah. pictures, and they interview on the line and stuff like that. Um, I didn't really want to do any of that. I wanted to just enjoy and watch and kind of be a part of the crowd. Yeah. We've, and the reason, another reason is that most of the people that were a part of the red carpet we've had on the show.
1: Yeah. We've talked to almost every single person on that cast anyway. So,
2: so, you know, I don't want to stay up there and get two minutes. You know, we, we have them for 20 sometimes. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Billy, and, Billy and Jane's little podcast out of Minnesota. Yes, yeah, they're dying to get one interview, and you're going to take two minutes out of that. Come on, come on, man. come on, guy. Come on, give give the small fish a chance. <laughs> so, but
2: some of the attendees um, were our, you know, one of our great friends, Cass Avenar, uh, Abner? Cass Avenar, uh, Abner. Mm-hmm. Um Then. Uh, um, really, really great friend of ours, Walter Koenig. Ah, uh, yeah, he was there. Walter
1: Koenig. Uh, Walter Koenig. Um, uh, Young upcomer. I think he's going places at Walter Koenig.
2: You know, I uh, see a future there. I mean,
1: there was a well, Darren, James Jacobs. Kyson, Darren Jacobs. Tyson, Darren Jacobs. You see there?
2: Um, yeah, Darren. Darren Jacobs was there, uh, and the person that I took the most pictures of, and mm. she doesn't know it, is. Adrian Wilkinson was there.
1: Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. At
2: and all. uh I, I was, you know, I just didn't I didn't want to introduce myself to her because she makes me quite nervous.
1: Yeah, your yeah. palms were sweaty. Uh, yeah.
2: She's really she takes me back to an age I don't want to be. Uh oh, she's too pretty for me. I can't it's 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 hard. Yeah, I'm sure not,
1: he, I'm sure really your wife hard. will be glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I get the same feeling around her.
2: <laughs> Mostly in the morning. Um but uh yeah, Walter Koenig, Adrian Wilkinson,
1: Cass—they so so got the whole cat. The yeah. the red carpet. Ellen event. Dubin, Go, she was Ellen there. Dubin. Okay, and well, just talked to her recently. Right, all so, previous guests. So the red carpet starts more or less on time. Yeah, people show up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You watch this happen. Now I know
2: it's on time schedule for your
1: invited four thirty world premiere. Finally, after like two and a half years of, of covering this, you're going to get to see. The first one. How did that go? Uh, so at five like, o'clock. Were there previews? Did it actually start at like four forty or something?
2: <laughs> Roughly, my best guess would be around five twenty or five thirty. About forty-five minutes, hour later. Okay. We finally Ooh. get into the room. Um, you
1: get into the room, which an is hour later.
2: it's the LA the- it's the LA Convention Center Theater. Okay. And it's a, it's a theater. It's a theater seating. You know, with a screen in the back, kind of kind of setup there. Um, like a theater it's a theater
1: okay i yeah. get it but it's yeah. small
2: but it's like you know something you would do a pre- presentation to for a large group you know it's theater style but it's not yeah. like a theater well you're there's no opera going on here you
1: are the one small invited group mm-hmm. who gets to see the premiere because we don't even yeah i i, I at least have no idea where this thing is going to show and up anywhere but this is where you can go in okay so it starts an hour late it's an hour late and but the and you get into the room and they turn the lights off and it starts
2: no the important part about this was that the this invite-only was the world premiere of the pilot that we've waited two years to see. Yes. Okay. Invite-only world premiere of So this.
1: exclusive.
2: Yes. I'm a part of this group, and I'm excited. Yeah. You're making me excited. So I go into the room. We're supposed to watch the world premiere of this thing. and It's not coming. It's not there. And where's E.J. De La Pena? He created this thing, and he's the best spokesman I've ever seen for anything, ever. Yeah, Where is he? Yeah.
1: I would assume he'd be, and he'd probably be the one with the I the know, thing. physically cop. Uh, it Was it like a film canister? I don't know what they do now. but Well, I figure it out. There.
2: Okay, so, I, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. So I go in there, and I'm sitting down, and they start to bring in the panelist. But there's no real, nobody's really sure when it's starting, so the panelists just kind of sit Throughout, I have a seat right next to me. Walter Koenig sits next to me.
1: Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: Walter Koenig, everybody. Star Trek. Like original shit, Star Trek, right?
1: Yeah. He's, he's the guy who's supposed to introduce it, right? He was
2: supposed to host it, correct.
1: Right. Yeah. And so. So he's just sitting there, like in the audience? With yeah. You? Or he's did with you me. just help yourself to a seat N- on nope. the nope. dais?
2: Nope. He's sitting oh, with me. And cool. We have just one of those. I, I've, you know, luckily for me, I've had a similar moment years ago with Stan Lee where I was in the audience and he sat next to me for a while. And we, you know, so I've had a conversation with Stanley and like this. And my second one is with Walter Koenig, where the, the guy sat next to me. We're just talking just two dudes, you know, chatting. Nice. And we had a great conversation. It was so much fun. We were talking about how conventions have changed, how the fandom has changed. Um, You know, just what does he think about this? What do you think about that? Um, And he was just, Telling stories, he was telling me. Shatner stories. He was just, just nice. He was awesome. Nice. I, I wish I could record it, but some things are just mine. All right, yeah. I earned it. That's mine.
1: We okay. just appreciate you telling us. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was. So, great. how long did you end up like hanging out with Walter Koenig? Because probably apparently they still haven't shown you. Right. I'm what, thinking are we, an hour and a half in. Yeah, something? we're we're an hour we're an
2: hour late. Maybe an hour and a half. Me and Walter uh, Walter Koenig and I probably chat for about thirty five minutes. It was a long conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could you could have watched a movie in the time it was supposed to Or at to least an started, episode of a and show. And they haven't told you what's going on. No. No one, no
2: one knows what's going on. Now, now, right after this, there's supposed to be a press junket in that same room, but we've already gone way over that. Yeah. Okay? So the room is going to get filled with another thing because it's a convention. Yeah. So we have to go. We haven't seen the movie. No press room junket. Okay? So they're like, oh, hey, everybody, we're going to go down to where the panel is. So come on down. we got a special and surprise this, service.
1: this would be when the panel would be starting exactly. anyway, right? Yes. Yeah. So And nobody at the panel was supposed to see the premiere. So you're telling me.
2: Correct. So it's pushing 8 o'clock by the time we end up heading over to – no, no, no. It's pushing 7 o'clock by the time we end up getting over to where the, the, the panel is supposed
1: to be. Okay. All right, so All right. it's almost seven o'clock now. After the four thirty premiere, Yeah. you're heading to the to the full panel, exactly. And the, well, I guess, and we haven't seen the Everybody
2: watch it now, exactly. So because we didn't see it, the original idea was that we were supposed to see it, invitation only world premiere. We were supposed to see it, and then at the panel, where a lot more people were going to be, um, mm-hmm. and a lot more talent was going to be, they were going to show clips and get everybody excited and just make a promotional thing but that's now gone out the window because we still haven't seen the original pilot or the premiere, the pilot episode. Okay.
1: What what lucky cattle at this panel. They get to watch it. Everyone's going to get, exactly. We had,
2: we had all the treatment, you know? (laughs) And so, um, you know, and you have to think of it. Walter Canning has to sit by every single attendee and talk with them for a while, right? No, that's not (laughs) how it happens. But so we get over there and it's, yeah, again, it's a full room, more or less. I mean, it's about as full as a 7 p.m. panel gets at these things. People are usually burnt out by then. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're in there, and no pilot. No pilot. And, again, there's no EJ. So waiting is okay at a convention. You talk, and you, it's fun. Don't don't worry, right? Yeah. But it's taking a while, you know, maybe an hour later. An hour later? So yeah. now, like, 8 p.m. We're talking about 8 p.m. 8 p.m. By 8 p.m., we should be heading over to the Nokia but we're not the That's after
1: party at the Nokia. Yeah.
2: And it's getting late. And so what they end up doing wisely is they go for they go get a bunch of bottled waters, a big ass box of pixie sticks. Have you ever seen
1: a box of pixie sticks?
0: Like, it's, uh, it's endless pixie. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a
1: million pixie sticks. There are so many pixie sticks. Yeah. And they start passing and those it's Halloween too. So yeah, of course there's going to be there's candy, candy everywhere, everywhere. So they use this to distract you, yep. keep you happy. They give us peanuts, chocolate. People on the plane, right. they're giving I got us you. All, They feed us chocolate. They feed us sugar. They keep us up. They keep you're killing me. Did you ever see the premiere? I don't. I had a nosebleed and I had to leave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your mom had to pick you up.
1: <laughs> so
2: no, we're in there, and so finally, you know, our very very kind and very talented host, he comes up. And he's like, hey, everybody, we just got word EJ de la Peña is on the premises, and we're sending somebody to go get the film. Nice. Okay. Nice. So, so, okay. So someone's going to – a courier late. is going to go meet EJ, who is not as fast as a courier. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to cut
1: a little timer. He's a professional courier, <laughs> yeah.
2: And so – he leaves and again we're getting we're giving more chocolate, we're all talking, we're all excited about it. And then this courier comes back holding a Mac laptop. I got it He plops it down on the DS, the Dais, and then finally, in a few minutes later, EJ de la Pena comes just churning through the crowd, man. Yeah. He's like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here and he looks exhausted. <laughs> he looks exhausted. I'm not even talking just about the run from his car or from maybe he parked next to me blocks away yeah you know
1: and and it's still downtown LA it's
2: downtown I'm not going to park next to it It's $50 to park there (laughs) I parked two blocks away for $5 but so he's exhausted he
1: looks exhausted
2: yeah and he comes up to the podium and he comes up to a spot and he's like you know and his his normal enthusiastic self
1: has been muted this is a man (laughs) determined He's always been a man determined, but my God, what it, did he at least apologize? Did he tell well, you what was going on? Yeah, he
2: told us what was going on, and, and apparently, what happened was the night before, as they're putting on finishing touches, his computer crashes.
1: His computer crashed. like the entire
2: the whole episode was on, they were his,
1: on, just on his computer. I don't know
2: if it was on his or a studio. I don't. I don't know that kind of detail, but whatever computer he was working on. Just crashed, and oh my everything God. that was on it on that hard drive was gone. <laughs> now <laughs> they yeah. lost it, just gone. Like all oh. the like you know <sighs> the the whole pilot episode is gone. That's not the only copy of the film and everything that they recorded, right? It's just I'm just saying, like they had but a you hard mean, like, drive. This finish,
1: like the they finished like this finished product rally. was
2: on there. It was completed. They were putting finishing touches, and everything is gone. And so apparently, he and his crew. Uh, His editors and his sound guys and his color guys stayed up. He said all night up until just now, (sighs) recutting everything and putting it all back.
1: Oh, my God. So since like the
2: night before? The night night before before, all the way through 8, 9 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. They they were working all the way through. And sure enough, it's time. (laughs) And it plays. All right. Here we go and took us 5
1: hours to get here but now now we're now we're in it
2: and it finally plays and thankfully it's good good thankfully good it's good um like did most,
1: it look like it was edited
2: in like 10 hours well one of the things that he said was we lost some of the color you know cuz there's a colorist right that makes everything look the same in a show and things like that and so they lost, you know, and you could see in some of the from from scene to scene. Sometimes you could there was a t- tiny little sound, you know, breakage and things like that. No, yeah. um, but what you saw, what you finally ended up seeing, and this is what I'm proud to report, is that what you saw was a very a, a very earnest um, and proud beginnings of a series. Good, um, a, a, a homage. Uh, you can call it an homage, or a satirized
1: view of science fiction. You know, it's, it's, it's those old cruising it's, around space yeah stories back in the old. The, uh, the, well, I remember him kind of trying to describe it as such in one of the early interviews we did with him. Uh, so it's good to hear that. Yeah, great. Not, I, I'll be honest with you. I I always prefer to see. The pilot, followed by the first few episodes of any show that I, I watch, but I think sci-fi especially because there's so much exposition, you don't yep. get the flavor right away. I think I, I think that was the case here. Is that mm.
2: you see something that's got great performances with an unbelievably talented cast? I would probably say they all put on tongue-in-cheek performances. You know, it's funny and it's it's a breaking that what they call it the the fourth wall. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah, not 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 directly, but they, you know, they're it's it's like they're doing a TV show that they know they're on a show.
1: Oh, he does say, Firefly meets the Office. Yeah, the tagline so exactly. I, I did expect like testimonials.
2: There's story. that too, right? Yeah, and, yeah, no, and I think
1: breaking the fourth wall. You're you're right. you go. You're right. There you go. All right. So, so so you're saying it's good. It's worth watching. Now, where can I watch it? What did he say about that?
2: They still don't know.
1: God damn it, EJ. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're working on it and you know some of you know as i was sitting there uh talking to some of the some of the bloggers and some of the writers and um they were you know apparently uh ej has has had opportunities to bring the show out on different um uh vehicles uh but he's kind of holding out for television and
1: what do you mean? Like he actually wants to get it on. He wants on to get it on a TV, network of like some kind. A network yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sci-fi or something. And I, I don't know how. it offers from. I, yeah, well, I, I guess who knows? Rumor anyway. Yeah, it's all I'm rumor. Guessing, like online. do you think you should do anyway.
2: Well, and that's, this is my note to EJ right now is get the show out. We want it out. It's good. Get it out. You know, get us to episode three or four as soon as you can. You know, because mm-hmm. that's really where the sci-fi show. You have to give them that many shows. Not even the first Walking Dead is that good. It's, it's
1: okay, a lot of exposition, but it's yeah. nothing what it is now. And you I mean. really want to see the next episode when you get to the end of it exactly. to see if if it is the right flavor. And yeah. That's yeah. That, that's what I find a lot of shows because I like to wait seasons in and then just binge them on on Netflix. Well sometimes. that's even that's, so that's a benefit too. But that's another great thing about online platforms, EJ Stop <laughs> EJ. holding out, man. I'm not saying it won't end up on T V someday, but T V doesn't mean what it did anyway. I mean this is That's exactly right. Yeah, who cares? I mean just get it to us man. We want this show. Yeah. This show is
2: made like this is one of those examples, thankfully, that is a made you know, by us for us. He's one of us, man. You know? Well,
1: that's it. Well, you, you've tantalized me. I'm sorry it was rough going, but you actually didn't get to see it. Yep. I we, Even if it was yep. edited in 10 hours with bad coloring and yeah. probably missing a bunch of other stuff they really wanted to put in. But I liked it. But when they get it figured out, uh-huh. I'll be here, get it out there, and then tell me. You went and did the after party, right?
2: I did. I drugged my Club ass over Nokia, there. Club Nokia, you said. It was at the Club Nokia. A really great band called Flux Capacitor played. Have you oh heard of this band?
1: yeah, they're in that big uh, documentary that Back in Time. Yeah, Back to the Future. You know, like like one of like
2: the lead singer is dressed like future Marty McFly, mm-hmm. and then uh, Biff Tannen, future Biff, is like the bassist, and Doc Brown is the guitarist, and they had and there was a very scandalous uh, um, cosplay like burlesque dance like you know i saw you know titties Scandalous. with tassels on it Woo. yeah like all of them ended up with tassel titties by the end I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding that's the kind of party this was nice it was awesome it was great but yeah i was in the vip area with Cass. he was there ej showed up uh you know some of the cat you know so, uh, it, it was a it was a it was a, a party and a more of a reprieve. <laughs> These guys were fired, yeah.
1: you know. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and that's got to be stressful if they kind of knew what was going on and
2: yeah, and waiting
1: I just, for a resolution. This I had even a great worse time being in the dark like you were. Yeah, I was, and then was, and then I know because you're a professional. Uh, you uh, you stayed sober, hopped in your car, drove back yep. home that very night. Huh? Absolutely, that's how you do a con, my friend. If you're a pro, you get in there late morning, you get out of there late night. Yep.
2: And if you you know drink early, so that by the time you drive home, you're you're fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Get your drinking done on the drive down there. <laughs> That's right.
2: You want to be safe. If you're smart, yeah. If you're smart. So, um. but I had a I had a really great time. So, before we move on to what the hell we're here for, <laughs> we haven't even talked about that yet. Although there is a really badass uh, stunt scene in Nobility, um, but before Worst we get to that way ever. Before we get there, uh, I do want to thank the Kamikaze people for giving me this press pass. It mm. was really cool. Um, we look forward to covering you, you guys. Thank you, Kamikaze. Yep, we look forward to covering Definitely you guys in the future. Coming back because there's hope oh, yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. This is it was it was it was great. It was really well done, and you know, right in the middle of L.A. It's cool to be there sometimes. It's neat to be around. Sometimes it is. it is.
1: It is. It's really cool. Sometimes you, you just got to go to L.A. to get a break from the crowd.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, you did mention there is some cool stunt work uh-huh. in uh, in nobility.
3: Well, what the hell, then?
1: Let's talk about stuntmen. That's what I want to talk about today anyway. Mm-hmm. Stuntmen. The whole art of stunts. The If you ask a four-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're going to get a couple are going to say fireman. Yeah. A couple are going to say policeman. You might get a doctor and a and a president, but mostly they're going to be I want to be a jet fighter. <laughs> yeah. I want to be a stuntman. <laughs>
0: yeah. I want to
1: be a superhero. Yeah. That's that's going to be stuntman is awesome. And
2: they're and they're both of those things.
1: They they really are. <laughs> aren't, aren't we all heroes? Yeah. They're yeah, and
2: and jet planes
1: <laughs> but uh, the, there's so much about stunt work that makes movies better. Before there was CGI, before there was you know Pixar animation, before there was any anything that could razzle and dazzle on the screen, there were you know silent movies with you know guys dressed as cowboys jumping off of moving trains and jumping on horses, dodging no train. wires, yeah. Dodging trains. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the Buster Keaton one where the whole yeah. front of the building falls yeah. down. And, it, and, and he's he in the mirror. In I mean, he's the, in the window. the window. Yeah, yeah. You know, stunt work goes way back. That's the first ever special effect. Yeah. And it does.
2: It's so it's much. also the one thing, you know, going back to us growing up, This is that was the one thing that we could do in the living room and the parks and in our yards was – we could do our own fighting stunts. Yeah, where, you'd choreograph
1: a little. Where your brother... Now I've got a, a gun, though, because that was always improv. And then someone yeah.
2: could shoot. But, but, yeah, you would, like, practice your swinging, and your brother would move his jaw accordingly. Yeah. And you made it choreographed, and it looked great. And you would, you know, you could even throw some aerobatics in there sometimes, some, yep. a shoulder toss or, you know, a tumble here and there. But, yeah,
1: you can make Until this look great. bit. somebody took us. Took a spill, and then there were that tears, happened. and then you yeah, know, apologize. I, I, myself, broke hit, my ankle. Okay, you can hit me. You can hit me. I broke my ankle
2: doing, it was a stunt over the beanbag. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I sure did. Those,
1: those are dangerous. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, yeah. but that, you know. I, I, I watched
1: was... a girl, like, uh, like almost break her ankle going down flight of stairs on a beanbag. You can't do that. They are yeah. murder. And
2: one of the greatest stunts was, if I was to pretend to shoot you with the machine gun right now, what are you going to do?
1: <laughs> You're oh. go, And your body yeah. just like twitching, and, and you do the contortion. Yeah. Where you, <laughs> yeah, you look like the guy the the first death in Robocop. Yeah, just just hamburger <laughs> meat. About four minutes, yeah. so just right there. <laughs> yeah, and then you like you know fall down or whatever on yeah. the bed or whatever. And you go slow mo. Yeah, I was always a big the fan bed. of Another another stunt. Once once it came down to it, yep. The fall the tragic the, fall. Know, the strains of of the Godfather theme as you just hit the ground, <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, and then you go. <laughs> When you bounce, right? Yeah, you oh gotta, of yeah. course you bounce. You gotta bounce.
1: man. It's yeah. Like when Rocky hits the mat. <laughs> you're like go without me.
0: Go. You know, like
1: yeah. So stunts that's the thing and that often, got us. That's right? what you want to when you're a kid anyway. That's what got us. That's what that's what got us. My yeah. first movie memory is Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Um uh-huh. or no Raiders of Lost. That's the first Star. one. Yep. It's when he climbs underneath the truck. Yeah. That is the first memory I have of being in a movie theater. Oh wow, that's a good. You scene. Know, I mean that's that's what I owe to stunts. Yeah, I think and the I mean, fall guy. I watched that. Oh, like greatest it was theme song ever.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. is in the old.
2: hey. It's only hey.
1: Uh, hey hey. <laughs>
2: da,
0: da, 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 da. Oh, and it's uh,
2: Redford, such a star. No, no, no. Eastwood uh, looks no. so fine. Yeah, uh, you're no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh, I was, think, uh I might. Jump from a tall building or roll a brand new car, but I'm oh, the, the unknown, unknown stunt, stunt man that made, made Redford,
1: Redford such a star <laughs> what uh, <laughs> i mean, that, uh, that and he uh I mean I think Lee Majors actually was a stunt guy, yeah, I think in real life before he hit it big as an actor uh and also that mirrors. The uh, career path of someone I've talked to. Yeah,
0: today. finally, yes.
1: Yes. Uh, I sat down, I had a nice long chat with uh, Mike Mayhall, who is a popular stuntman. When well, I say popular stuntman,
2: you're never going to know his name.
1: I yeah. mean, stuntmen, you don't know their name. He's the unknown He's the unknown stuntman. <laughs> the unknown stuntman. <laughs> it's hard not to fall for it. But uh, he's actually now. Stepped on, I won't even say beyond it because he actually does do the stunts in this movie, but he also happened to have ooh, written it uh-huh. and directed you it. He did it all. And star, well, I mean, he has a part in it. He's not the star. Star, actually, could be argued, is Eric Roberts. Yeah, uh, I think he's so. He's a young up and comer. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you can catch him in other stuff coming up, but uh, yeah, Eric Roberts is in this guy's first like mm-hmm. completely self produced movie. Uh, So we talk all about that. The name is Jake's Road. Jake's Road. Jake's Road. Go get it. iTunes, Amazon. Well, you know the drill. Uh, It's a kind of, would you call it a slasher? I don't know. No, I don't want to. It's a fun movie. It is fun. If you've got the stomach for it. But that's all I'm going to say. It's, it's directed and made, written by a stunt guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is great. I, I, and I found, and it turns out when I talked to him, he mentioned, uh, this was his first radio interview ever. Oh, really? And I think I was absolutely oh, I a terrible here. host. I'm sure I mean, no, I that. mean, I was all right, but I was inept and I was in awe. I was thinking about, I was talking to a stunt man. I know. Well,
2: if they're great. the coolest guys ever.
1: That's exactly. That's what I kept looking. Like, they made Eastwood look so fine. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And and all the all the ladies. Well, he's never been with less than a nine.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: That's <laughs> in the song. Oh. <laughs> all right. Anyway, without further ado, let's uh, take a minute. Let's talk to Mike Mayhall uh-huh. of Mayhem Productions, stunt coordinator, director, producer, extraordinaire. Magic interview machine, won't you please take us away? Meanwhile, actor, director, writer, uh, producer, stuntman, stunt, stunt, stunt chore- choreographer—I guess you do pretty much everything.
3: I—I got a lot of hats that I wear. I'm constantly taking one off and putting another one on.
1: Well, these are these are some some pretty cool hats, but uh, I, I got to be I, honest. I think so. This this is what I want to talk to you most about is you're you're a stuntman for God's sake that is like one of the top four dream jobs for kids growing up you know right between astronaut and and jet pilot
3: jet pilot it's right up there I you know I, I hadn't really thought about it uh, until you put it but um, yeah yeah it's uh, it's pretty cool I gotta admit it's pretty cool
1: is it is it always pretty cool or would you rather be wearing other hats.
3: Um oh, what a tough question to answer. Um, you know, it's it's always pretty cool, uh, being doing the stunts. It now some I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it gets it gets hard and it gets tough and there's some days where you know you just you just take a beating and you're like, oh, man, I I need to go put another hat on. Um, but I am really just I love I love doing it. Um the truth is though, the truth is that if I like it when I can combine the hats. Like when I can do the acting with some action, and my favorite is when I can direct and I can direct the stunt work because I love it. But it's great when I can come at it from a director's point of view and really craft the whole picture. Because sometimes in stuntman, you know, I just get my little moment, but to be able to do the whole thing, the whole picture—that's that's that's what I really love.
1: Okay, well, I can see that, and uh, and and well, I guess because uh, when I was a kid. And I watched Die Hard, and someone told mm-hmm. me, you know, Bruce Willis did all his own stunts in there. For some reason, that that changed how I saw Bruce Willis. I think to this day, yeah, for There's sure. A certain level of respect you have for anyone who's willing to put their body through that. But then, absolutely, ag- when when really they're supposed to be like, you know, the the charismatic, the 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 one mm-hmm. who's The one whose face you're supposed to see, but you're never supposed to see them get crushed.
3: Right, right, yeah. They they're just always supposed to sit there and they look good, and somebody else takes takes the beating, and then they just come in. Yeah, let me tell you, a a lot of actors do do their own stunts, Um, and I I I have such respect for those guys. Um, uh, Yeah, I just worked on uh, a movie called The Long Night, and it uh, it's starring Mark Wahlberg and Dylan O'Brien. Um, and, and Dylan's a younger cat, and he did The Maze Runner. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That it's uh, big like sci-fi action. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I think a new yep. new installment just came out or something.
3: New, right? The new installment just came out. That's right. And um, I was doubling. I was uh, doing some stunt work for Dylan, but he did a lot of his own his own action. And we would work together, and he would say, "How would you do this?" And I said, "Well, you know, I, I would teach him something safe, a safe way to do it, and safe way to go for it, and he would he would do it." And um, I mean, he did. He did a lot of his own stuff. It was, it was really cool. Um, sometimes, as a stunt guy, you, you're there to just to provide safety, the, the, the know-how. Like, how do you fill a punch? How do you fall down properly safely? And you need to teach that. You know, so that's the, other, that's the other side of the job. It's not always cool stuff like jumping out buildings and getting set on fire. Sometimes you're there for safety.
1: <laughs> so, well, well, have you ever gone in to be there just for safety, to give them some pointers, to, to direct on on stunts, and then said, uh, "You know what? Uh, this Mark Wahlberg is not getting it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put on the army
3: jacket and do this tumble." Um, <laughs> you can never really say that they're not getting it. It's, <laughs> it's a little, but um, I I've gone in and not expected to do things like I've gone in and just gone. Um, uh, well, I, I can give you this. Uh, it wasn't so much. It was involving um, an actor. I was working on a TV show recently called Scream Queens, and it ha- hasn't come out yet. And um, the actor involved, you know, he was he's really physical, but the stunt it, it just got a little a little more hairy, a little more aggressive, and it was falling backwards out of a window, and uh, um, and you probably maybe four and a half, five feet. it was a little pad underneath, but getting out the window was it was it was just it was. Not freaking easy. Um, and at first, they thought that he would do it because you know it, it sounds real simple, like oh, just just sit on the ledge and fall out the window. But it, it just really wasn't. By the time we got done doing it, I mean, I, I mean, I've walked away with bruised elbows, wrists, knees. I have still got the bruises on me, just because the of force I had to fly through that window, make sure I landed safely and didn't break my neck or anything. Um, so that was that's an example of like. Thinking, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to teach, and it's going to be real simple, and it just gets re- suddenly elevates to another level, and I really have to bring my A game. Well,
1: I, it sounds like a dangerous hat to wear. Then <laughs>
3: it, it can be, it can be, yeah, it can be, um, which is probably why I, I look um, at trying to get back to more of my roots of the acting and the directing, um, because it's it's not something you can do, you know, for the rest of your life.
1: Um, well, yeah. you know what... It, uh, it, it's kind of funny you bring that up because in your uh, in your newest movie, uh, Jake's Road, mm-hmm. which is uh, out now and available, if people want to go find yes, it, sir. you right. wear just about every hat. You oh, wrote it, goodness. directed it. You're you're in it. You do the stunts. What? what how many projects
3: yeah. do you do that for? Um, gosh, you know this one. Um, you know I I come from the theater and, and in the theater world you're always wearing more than one hat. You know, out, out in Orlando, um, my company, uh, Mayhem Productions, which produced Jake's rope we, we were known for doing improv comedy sword fighting shows. So I was writing and directing and producing and acting and um, and, and doing all the sword fighting and everything. So so. in one way, I'm just used to it. I, I, I think I don't have as much fun if I only do one thing, because I, like I like to get involved in, in play and play in all the little different um the things that you can uh for jake's road it, it was massive though it was massive um to 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 be the director and then but because i have uh a fight and stunt background doing the fixing that that are in that are in jake's road it was it was just really natural it was a lot of fun to to break it down and and it was nice to have i guess this you know ultimate power <laughs> of what happened, you know? <laughs> Do it this way. I want it this way, and the actors were great. Um, they did they did all their own stunts. Um, uh, there was only one time we brought in a double, and she did one thing, and the actors did everything else, but uh, uh, Garrett Hines, uh, Tim Bell, Patrick Flanagan, Leticia uh, Jimenez, I mean, I beat them up left and right, <laughs> and they, I just did uh, beat the snot out of them. And um, they were awesome. They were. It, it became a uh, um, like a, a challenge. They were looking forward to it. They're like, we're gonna rock this fight scene. Just watch. And They would challenge each other. They're like, you bring it. You know. They would. They would get all involved in it. And that's great. You know. That's yeah, you can't ask for more than that. Um, but yeah. A lot of different hats. Huh.
1: Total blast. Well, you've also you've also got the legendary Eric Roberts in there, and I'm curious <sighs> if you would come on to set one day and come, go right up to Eric Roberts and say, you know what, you know what, Eric Bubala we're throwing you out of a window today.
3: I would say that. And I think he would go, no, (laughs) he would just look at me very calmly and say, no, I could see it doing that. Um, Eric Roberts was awesome. Um, he um... he got our script through a producer friend of ours we we were able to get the script into his hand and he liked it and the next thing you know he's we filmed in a little town called Folsom Louisiana and he basically parachuted in for a couple days uh, in between jobs to, to do this because he liked the script that much he 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 sat and he said hey Mike I really enjoy your script I really want to work together again and we've been communicating and hopefully trying to find another project together but uh, he came in and rocked it he, I've always been a big Eric Roberts fan. Um, oh, that's he is, awesome. Yeah, he is one intense dude on camera. Um, he just is. It's great. And he's such a nice guy, such an easygoing guy, nice guy. Off, um, you know, when the camera's not rolling. And that uh, was a really good sport about everything because, you know, filming in Louisiana um, in the late summer, at night in the woods, it's,
0: mm. it's, it's, yeah,
3: it's a million degrees with a thousand mosquitoes, and he was, you know, everybody was a good sport, and he, you know, he was great. He was just great. <laughs> yeah. But well, that, that say there.
1: Well that that uh, y- y- your your own baby. Uh like if if I had that much invested in a project like that, I don't think I'd even be able to admit that uh, the weather was less than perfect. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm glad you realize what you put the cast and crew through.
3: Oh yeah, I mean I I mean I'm eternally thankful to them. Um I, I did. I mean we were running at a, a just a breakneck speed to get this this puppy um done. Um but I think and I know it sounds really cheesy, hear a lot, we'd like to we all became friends and family, but it totally happened. Um we just I think everybody, you know, I was I wasn't trying to fool anybody, I wasn't trying to tell them, you know, I'm making a million dollar blockbuster and, and you know, I said I got this good script and it's the money is coming out of my pocket and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it, it's gonna be good and we're all gonna have a great time. And for some reason everybody just responded to to that. Maybe it's just a simple sort of honesty. It's, um and we all just got along. We're all still friends today, we all hang out, we're all all of us are always helping the other when trying to get onto another project or networking and things of that nature. It 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 was great and um I'm Eternally thankful to them, the cast and the crew. They were such great sports, and we really did have a good time. And and I think that shows in the final product. You can really tell that it, it really was a, a labor of love and enjoyment. You know, you see it. Everybody was just happy to be there. You know, from the TA to the lead actress, it was just it was just great all the way around.
1: Well, if if we want to get, at the very least, your money back in your pocket, and maybe even make a little something for you. Where where can we as the audience uh, find Jake's Road mm-hmm. right now?
3: It, you know, I would say the best and easiest way to find it right now is you can go to iTunes or Amazon and you can rent it. Um, you can know, just watch it on your computer or your phone or your television and just download it and you can rent it like that. You can also buy it. Um, if you'd like to buy it, that's always great. Um, but I say the easiest the easiest and quickest is, um, is to go to iTunes or Amazon and rent it. Um, I do know that the DVDs are for sale. I don't know if they're on the shelves anymore because everything has a sort of limited shelf life. But I know that you can pretty much go to any retailer and buy it online the DVD. But I think I'll rent it. You know, that's the best way. Go rent it, enjoy it, get the popcorn. It's it's a good it's a good fun movie. I think you, I think people will like it. Amazon and iTunes. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's and that's kind of that's the way it's going now. Is people are going to watch? Yeah. They're going to rent it digitally on a moment's notice through their Xbox on their computer. Yep. So, good. I'm glad, uh, totally. I'm glad you're grasping the new business model. You're not stuck in the old it, it Hollywood is, it, ways. Good for you, Mike.
3: No, no, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. You know, it's definitely the whole world's kind of going, going digital, and we're, we're happy to be a part of it.
1: Good, good. Play it smart. Stay digital. Uh, Stay digital. Before yes, I let you go, I still want to geek out a bit more about uh, stunt work.
3: Let's geek out. Let's do it.
1: All right. Uh, wh- As a professional, what are the stunts that impress you? In movies, I mean the oh. whole in Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise on the oh side gosh. of the plane got a lot of coverage.
3: All of it. Oh my god, that, that was awesome! I would love to have done something like that. Um, I think, I think what impresses me the most is sort of like you know, as a kind, I've been in, a, in the game for a little while. You sort of learn what your strengths and weaknesses are. You know. Mm-hmm. And so I think what impresses me the most is, is the things that, like, I go, God, I, I, I just I can't do that. Like, the other day I was I was auditioning for uh, the new Tom Cruise movie down here, Jack Reacher, and I went in for an acting audition because uh, they were looking for actors who could do stunts, and then the stunt coordinator brought me over, and uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, and then we did a big stunt audition, you know, fights and blocking and things of that nature, which went great. But before we did it, one of the guys did this back handspring backflip into the air, into a flip into a karate kick and then, and then landed like a ninja. And I thought, I, no matter how hard I try, I will never be able to do what this guy just did. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it, I, I can't even, I'm not even doing it. It was so impressive. It looked like something out of a Jackie Chan movie. Just And then next I know he's 10 feet in the air and he's flipping and he's landing stuff like that. Okay. Very impressive. Um,
0: <laughs>
3: and, uh, it, it just, it totally impressed me. Um, I don't, I'm not a big, uh, high fall guy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do some falls that, I, I think when, when I get to about 25 or 30 feet, I start going, no, I don't know if I want to jump off this. Um, I'll climb up any day. I'll climb up 100 feet there. I've got no problem with heights, just jumping off. Um, and I know some people who have done high falls in 100, 200 feet, jumped out of helicopters, you know, and just free fall down. Um, and that really impresses me. Because that I know that that's sort of a, a something a limitation I
1: have. Um, well, so
3: I know think, that's sort
1: of a weird. I'm sorry, but do you think people uh, who who will do that, who will take jump free fall out of a helicopter, is it because they are that professional, or do they just have a psychotic screw
3: loose in their head? Is, is it just <laughs> something they would do anyway? Maybe both. You know, no, I, I think it's, 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 um, you, 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 there's, there's totally an adrenaline side to the stunts. You know, when you do a good stunt, you're, I'm just, I'm like, yes, you're revved up. Um, you know, when I was on a long night and got set on fire and had to run around afterwards, I just, I was, my adrenaline was so pumped. Um, but I, I think it it's, it's definitely a professionalism. I mean, make, make no about it. I mean, it, it, it looks fun. It looks exciting. It looks exhilarating. And, and, and to a certain extent, it really is, but there's a serious, serious, professional training, a trained side to it, you know, I mean, you do, you really, really have to know what you're doing, um, and it comes down you, 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 to air sense, like you have to know where your body is in the air, and how you're falling, and how you're landing, and what is going on below you, and how to adjust mid-fall. Um, there's a total professional side to it, um, and a lot of them will, you know, you know, you know, I mean, we're all, you know, tough stunt guys, so you you may not ever hear them really admit that. They go, you know, like, I just get up and I just did it, and I kicked its ass. Excuse my language. Um, but but there's, they don't make no bones about it. I mean, total professional, lots of training. Absolutely. I mean, and there, there are guys who just make their living doing high falls or car jumps because that's their niche. That's what they know. They've had years and decades of training to it and, and the experience to continue to do it. It's it's not something you um you just you sort of step into lightly. That's sorry, I, that's I a got plenty. real serious there, didn't I?
1: No, no. Which I think you should. In yeah. fact, that takes me to uh, what we probably should have done right at the outset. But here, as a warning to kids out there who think this sounds cool, I think maybe we should go through the obligatory list of injuries and broken bones you've had.
3: Yeah. Um, for sure, um, it, it's definitely. Draining. I, I've been. Really, really lucky, and knock on wood i I've not taken a serious injury um and I, I attribute that to preparation, training, and the execution of the stunt um you know i don't I don't do do anything without thinking it through, knowing how I'm getting into it and out of it and and who's around me that's going to keep me safe you know stunt the stunt the stunt world is it real it's a real tight knit group of, of brothers and sisters who who are always there watching out for each other um, you know like for example the the, the fire scene I did uh, not too long ago um, where they, they kind of caught my leg and back and arm on fire you know there was there was an hour of preparation for that um, we made sure everybody knew where everybody was going to be where all the fire extinguishers were I had two guys off camera with fire extinguishers in case anything the slightest thing went wrong that they could they could put me out and put me out safely, but
1: an um, hour there's, there's, of preparation that's that doesn't yeah. – I I'd put in an hour of preparation if I'm making banana bread. <laughs> if someone's going <laughs> to set fire to me, I want four days of rehearsals.
3: Well, it's it's um, it, it was and and, and I, I should I should back up a little bit. The hour of prep was just getting the whole film crew around and standing and saying, okay, no one can be here in this area, no one. Can it was designating all the safety areas and the safety zones uh for everybody, rehearsing the action, what we're going to do, how we're gonna start how it starts, where's the middle and where's the end, and where um where all the safety uh components are for it before that um the we were Prepping with our special fireproof clothing, uh, fire gel, and fire spray to make sure all of our clothing was saturated in this special gel that allows it to to uh, to not so you don't get burned. So I guess I should back and say there there are there are there's a day or two of prep ahead of that, um, but that's also where the experience comes in. You know, the, the stunt coordinator who was, who was prepping all this with me has been in the business for decades and has done this numerous and numerous times. So so now after two decades of him learning how to do this, he can turn to me in one day and say, this is how it's going to break down. This is what you need to do. And if you follow these instructions, you will be fine. You know, you know what I'm saying?
1: And and have you ever been involved in a project where someone in that, you know, in the progressive line of of the stunt crew kind of drops the ball a little bit and the results are well let's say it doesn't make or, for a or, good or, family dinner l- l-
3: less less than positive um i not that what i have not been on set when something of that nature has happened um um uh, i i've heard about some things um not nothing major now i i mean i have been on set when people have broken some bones and we've taken some real hard hits that weren't really expected and i've been i've been around a lot of close calls um but nothing nothing major, um, which I'm, I'm I'm really thankful for. Um I I've had the buddies go to the hospital, um, but I, I, I get a little paranoid talking about it. Um, the superstitious talking about it. Um and I again I think I attribute that that's because it, everything is so meticulously plotted out. Um that I think safety really is the ultimate the ultimate goal, you know. The bigger the bigger the stunt the, the, the more the more safety is aligned for it. Um uh, and rehearsals and rehearsals and rehearsals and rehearsals. Um, yeah, but I, I, I know everybody likes to hear if there was an accident and stuff like that, but I, re- I really, I, I feel really blessed that, that I've just, i just fought, aside from maybe, you know, some bruised ribs, bruised, uh, parts and, and, and just, you know, um, get tossed around a little bit. I've never really taken a big, hey. keep talking on over here, <laughs> <And that's- laughs> a big injury. Um, that's that's
0: that's, that's, what, actually, what
3: that's what we want to hear yeah
1: as much as we have yeah. to run um, our neck in traffic accidents we don't we don't wish something goes wrong for you
3: uh yeah it, it's 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 really it's um you know because the goal is to be safe you know because so like if you're if you're walking away and and you know i had a I had a buddy of mine you know he, he does big car hits and it's really really impressive and you know they prep for days and days and days on that stuff and um you know, when it comes down to the stunt, once once you execute the stunt, once you execute the action, you throw that punch, you fall off something, the fire, you get lit on fire. It is it, really, it's out of your hands. You just have to trust in the training and the preparation to to get you through the other side. And thankfully, you know, um, I, I, I've I've been pretty safe mm-hmm. thus far.
1: Well, have you ever uh, but, been in a project where you know you 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 and the other coordinators have put a couple days in prepping something and you just you you look up at each other and say you know what there's no way to guarantee the safety we cannot do this.
3: Um, I've had I've had some friends who who, who have done that um, who, who have who have said you yeah, know we just we just we, the elements are aren't wrong. Um, you, you're doing a big let's say uh, a, a fall um, a descender fall which is a uh, descender is a you're attached to a cable and you, you you jump off and you fall and it sort of slowly slows you down you know to mm. where you you don't hit the ground. Um, but a lot of that is dependent on weather, weather dependent. You know, if there's a big gust of wind suddenly coming up, you can't really jump because you can get smashed into the building. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, the, the other day uh, I was talking to a stunt coordinator friend of mine, and we were reminiscing about a shoot we did a few years back. And we were up uh, 20 stories on a building in New Orleans um, on the ledge, um, and there was a helicopter. And But a big, huge storm with 80-mile-an-hour-plus gust wind came in, and we had to call. We had to to um, to to get rid of the, the helicopter. Had to go because we were able to get just one or two shots, and then had to leave. We had to say it because it, it wasn't it wasn't. Uh, he called it because it wasn't safe. Um, because we you know, were coming right below the giant helicopter, and these winds, and, and the, the the pilot was having trouble controlling it. And then we're on a building and and basically getting blown around just like like uh, leaves, you know. And so we had to call it and and step off for for the dust to uh, to go away. That was an example of things could have gone really, really wrong, hanging on the, on the ledge of a building with helicopters and giant storm, lightning flashing all around you. That that was an example where it, where I the stunt coordinator put his foot down and said, "Nope, nope, everybody take five. We're
1: we're stepping down." Well, that's yeah, good. I'm glad that there is that line, and that has, because I know yeah. these stunts are usually designed by, you know, a couple a couple writers, and then beefed yeah. by a director or an AD. And 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 I like to think that in the Hollywood or entertainment culture, you do have to respect the stunt coordinator.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a total respect, and you know, ultimately, it, it's the stunt coordinator's uh, job or the action coordinator um, you know, to 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 take this sort of this you know what the writer puts down and the director wants, and to make it happen. Which is why you know they're they're at the level at which they're at because they're able to to look at it safely, and to hopefully predict. Um, you know, they just say, okay, well, this could go wrong, and, and, and this could go wrong, and this is how we make it go correct, and this is how we get it done. You know, that's why they're at that place, and that's why you, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about the, the professionalism of, of the stunt guys. You know, that's why they're there. They're there to make sure that all these little elements line up, and everybody is uh, is safe, and that, so then you can go back, and you can enjoy that Tom Cruise movie, and everything looks, you know, freaking awesome, um, because everybody around it is is do all doing their jobs. And and just uh, knocking
1: out the park. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to ask you one last stunt question before I let you go. The <laughs> the 2015 summer blockbuster season is is now over. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite stunt of all these hundred million dollar oh, blockbusters?
3: Man, really? I have to pick one.
1: That's I ended um, on a hard question. Sorry, Mike. <sighs>
3: You know, I cheesy. It, it sounds. I I really um, what comes to mind. I guess maybe because we were talking about it. I really like the the action in the Tom Cruise movie. The um, the last Mission Impossible, It was just it was fun, big action. You know, and when I want to see an action movie, it's, that's that's uh, what I like. You, you give me ten minutes, and I'll be able to think of all sorts of other little little bitty things. Um, but that that hanging off the side of that plane, that was pretty cool. Um, oh, well,
1: I'm actually glad for, you picked that, because what struck me, as soon as I mentioned it, you said, oh, God, I wish I could have done that. That yeah, is the exact yeah. opposite of what I think most everybody in the audience <laughs> goes through when they see that.
3: Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I thought, and I was like, well, I want to do that. That looks like fun. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, I so, think...
3: So maybe, yeah.
1: I, I, the, oh, cool. the, the stunt work in movies is so important to me. I I think... Uh, oh, my you. very first memory in a movie theater was uh, Indiana Jones, uh, <sighs> the first one, as I must have been about four years old, and I was watching it with my parents, and the scene where, and this is, this is probably why I actually remember it, the scene where he climbs underneath the moving truck, I remember my mother just clinching up, grabbing my hand, saying, my God, how can a human being do that? Yeah, and if it hadn't been for that stunt, I don't know what the first movie I remember seeing is. So for all yeah. the special effects and music and action, it was the stunt work that made me
3: remember that
1: my very first movie.
3: So you guys it, have an important role. Well, thank you. It, it 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 really does stick with you, and um, it's and what I really like now uh, that that I feel is happening is that like yourself. Most people realize that it's you know it, it's I remember stunt work in the stunt world and it being sort of being something that was sort of kept to the side and pushed into the shadows. Like let's not let's keep the movie magic you know alive. It's always just the actor, and for um, many it's still it's still it is the actor. But it's nice to have it feel like it's part of the cinematic experience now, and that people can still see a really good stunt and they don't lose the magic of the movie and then the magic of the moment. And they just appreciate it as part of the whole film. Um, and now stunt coordinators, you know, we're all breaking out and directing now, and, and which is great because, you know, it, you, you work on it, you have a good visual eye. You know, um, the John Wick movie is a great example mm-hmm. of uh, stunt coordinators directing a movie. And uh, now there's Jake's Road.
1: There we go. Just,
3: just there we go.
1: It was all uh, all leading up to Drake's Road, which once Pretty again. Much. Get out there on your Xbox, on your iPhone, on your tablet, on your laptop, uh, iTunes, Amazon, of course. You can rent it digitally. You can probably buy the DVD. Go check that out. The incomparable Eric Roberts. That should be all you need to know. But pretty much everything else Eric Roberts didn't do in the movie, this man right here, Mike Mayhall. Thank you, Mike.
3: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome.
1: Monster sized marshmallows.
0: El Chocula has enormous chocolatey marshmallows. It's a delicious part of his nutritious breakfast. New monster marshmallows are here. The monster marshmallows are here. They're
3: everywhere
1: here. <laughs> monster marshmallows chock full of deadly diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very. Poor outlook of eating, which
2: is the reason we selected this particular commercial, is because Grimshaw. Happy Halloween! Let's it's Frank
0: season. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is my so time of get year. Get your booberries
1: at participating Target <laughs> exactly. on discount right now. On discount, I was right there. Now. So it is. It is almost Thanksgiving, so it's time to get your Count Chocula. <laughs> well, you can get
2: right now at Target. The, I bought them yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's it was, 40, it was 30% off when I bought. All right? And I got four boxes of Frankenberries and one box of Count Choculus. I didn't see any blueberries. Oh, those probably do go
1: quick. Yeah. Those, those, those are the ones that I would get. You like the... the I like the, you, you uh, like the blueberries. Those are the best ones.
2: Uh, Frankenberry is my favorite. Frankenberry's good. good, but uh, there's something about blueberry. I think it's because of the rarity, too. Maybe so. Yeah, people do tend. And also, blue is not a natural fruit color at least Frankenberry's natural colors.
1: Yes. Yes. Every, everybody knows that there's a bunch of pink Frankenberries growing on the side of a untouched <laughs> hill in the fall.
2: It's so good. It's, I love that
1: cereal. It's uh, so good. So, anyway, hey. anyway, that was Mark Mayhall, uh-huh. stuntman extraordinaire, uh, wearer of many hats as we explored and owner of my dream job as a kindergartner. Stuntman.
0: That's awesome. right. Stuntman. It's,
1: it's it, Mark, What give me a stunt that stands out to you. I know it's not fair to say, hey, what's your favorite stunt in a movie? And it's also a very annoying, stupid question. But yeah. come on, tell me if I say, oh, uh, great stunts. Well, what's one that jumps out at
2: uh, One of them is in, I think it's Bullet. It's, you know, the famous uh, Mustang versus Camaro race at the end. Oh, of, the Steve McQueen? Yeah, the Steve McQueen. Yeah. And they flip
0: both those motherfuckers. Oh, they flip both those cars, and I'm just like, "What?" Yes, stuff no. driving
2: is so awesome. Oh, it was so heartbreaking too. It was so the the car chase in San Francisco, if I remember correctly. Mm. It's you know these two muscle cars going over all the the big hilly roads in San Francisco. Yep. They end up on the highway, and they just face to face. They end up like running at each other driving at each other, and they both are playing chicken or something. Anyway, they both end
1: up just rolling. And it's
2: badass, man. And God, there's no CGI, that is there's no CGI there. Somebody was driving the yeah, car. No, this is back yeah. in the '60s.
1: Yeah. there was no CGI.
2: It's crazy. It's something that like they wouldn't try in a Fast and Furious right now. That, that stunt is crazy.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. not when you can do it without killing anybody yep. using a computer.
2: So awesome. So I. And it's that, not
1: that. And don't get me wrong. Nobody died that I know of in the making of bullet. Maybe someone did, and I'm being very disrespectful, but
2: we're pretty sure nobody in the movies. Like now. that's
1: because it's a very. Prof- it's not an art; it's a science. You're right. You're and right. Thank God for it because there's there professional kids, but they make it look so right. Me personally, yep. because uh, during the break, uh, you and I were talking about which favorite stunt mm-hmm. sticks out for you, and I wanted to go with you know. Uh, like, sentimental favorites. Like, for instance, uh, Indiana Jones climbing underneath the moving track. Right, right, Just because that's the first thing I remember in a movie ever. Mm-hmm. Or Die Hard when Alan Rickman falls oh, in slow off. motion off that building, which is... No- I remember that was nominated for an Oscar. There are Oscars for stunts.
2: That partic- But that wasn't really a stunt. That was a camera thing.
1: No, it it, it still... So I, even back then, I guess green screen was still allowed yeah. and I don't know how it works now, but, but anyway, that, that one popped into my mind. But then I realized, I think overall, the one time in a movie where I just could not believe what I was seeing, uh, because of the stunt work was probably, uh, that movie Death Proof, the Quentin Tarantino yeah. one. Oh yeah. Where, uh, it Zo- oh. made a star out of Zoe Bell, who was already like a star yeah. amongst in, in the stunt world. Uh huh. She was amazing, I guess, like an extreme athlete and star and stunt woman extraordinaire, yep. did all of uh Uma Thurman's stunts in the Kill Bill movies. Uh so he just let her play a role and do her own stunts. And when she's hanging off the car that car <sighs> when it is going I swear to god, it looks like 80, eighty, ninety miles an hour they to me. It. Like that was not Green screen. No, yeah. that was her hanging off a car. That's so crazy. Uh, there must have been harnesses or something we can't see. I hope.
4: I, I, I guess know. I'm getting
1: older now because kindergarten me would have said, Woo! Now I watch and I go, Oh, God, You're that all, poor woman. That's, that's somebody's uh, daughter. Oh, yeah. Somebody's sister. <laughs> but on it, when I saw that movie, that was just, this is the most insane stunt work I've ever seen. Oh. And I don't think anything's rivaled it for me since. But well there's still been good stuff. Like we talked about the Tom oh, Cruise wanted about... to do a new crazy stuff every mission possible.
2: But even like back in the old days, I don't know if you remember like when a, something would be on fire and you see the guy coming out.
1: And oh, he's yeah. on fire,
2: you know, and he's just the flailing arms and stuff like that. Like now they don't you know, that's all CGI now, but they would put a guy in a fire suit, light him on fire, and he's like bring out of the fire and he's <laughs> yeah. just and it's just it's it's still to this day, yeah uh, thing. Remember the thing? Yeah. Movie The Thing at the end, you know, when they finally burn him down. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's this, there's something still real, obviously very primal about it. But he's like running out, and he just kind of runs out of gas, and he falls down. Those are the stunts that kind of stick, you know. Yeah. And it's also now, um, it's it's almost become, a, it's become a part of the movie enjoying experience now, to notice the stunt guys. Uh, For example, Die Hard, when. When John McClane makes his first kill in Nakatomi, it's with What's-His-Face's brother down the stairwell. Yeah, what, where he gets his machine gun. It's where he, ho, ho, ho,
1: right? Ho, ho, ho. Now he's got a machine <laughs> gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better run, Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he like, they tumble down the stairs. And you could see that. That's not Bruce Willis. He's Wade Buffer. He's got a full head yeah, of hair. He's like a short
2: squat. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's got a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> you could totally tell on your Blu-ray high definition TVs. Yeah. That is not Bruce
1: Willis. And yeah, so I never noticed once in the first fifty viewings as a kid though.
2: Well, even but even okay, so you're right, exactly. Yeah. I never noticed, but twenty years ago when D V D started coming out and we started watching them, we kind of started this little this little like inside joke of because of that movie we would point to a scene and go stunt guy yep stunt guy you know yeah. and it was a part of the enjoying experience cuz the first time you watch a movie that's die hard good which is a 10 die hard is a 10. die hard is it's yeah. one yeah. of those you don't touch you, you don't touch so when you're watching it the first fifth tenth time you don't Looking for that kind of stuff. You're totally enveloped. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter,
1: right? You're and getting... all they have to pull off is that stunt to keep you right. Move, move the story involved. Line. Exactly, and they
2: do that, and that's I guess that's what the stunt guy does. But yep. he's not noticed. He's right.
1: <laughs> he's, he is the unknown. Stunt he's the man. unknown stuntman. You, you just don't just on. That theme song, yeah, yeah it's for perfect. that reason. And that's what you know
2: when you're when you're watching these movies and watching these shows. It's the part that really grabs us the quickest. It is like the theme song. It's what made East, you know, Eastwood, Eastwood look so fine, or Redford look so good, yeah. you know. And right now, Tom Cruise the exception, apparently. But it's what made Keanu Reeves look so badass. You yeah. Know? It's what made Harrison Ford look awesome in your in your example. Yeah. For me, it's Mel Gibson. Remember when he handcuffs himself to the to the jumper and the lethal oh, and weapon. Oh, first lethal
1: weapon. Yeah. Takes them off the roof. And they,
2: and they have the big air pad down there, yeah. and they end up falling into it. I mean, that was a stunt. Two yep. people, handcuffed together, jumped off a building. Yep. You know, someone had to know what they were doing. And like Mike yeah. Mayhouse said in the uh, uh, interview, if the wind is bad, you get pushed right into the building. Yeah. Like, even if there's a big
1: air cushion, a you big... You call it up. It's, a, it's about safety first. Right,
2: right, yeah. right, man. So these things are...
1: it's. it's <laughs> Yeah. I've I've always had a soft spot for stuntmen. It's that escapism, right? I do remember, and this is a a true story. uh, I'll end on this note, but I still want to share this because I think it did affect me. When I was a kid about 12, 11 to 13, somewhere in there, uh, we took a vacation out, out to California, out to Disneyland. It was, I think, maybe my second time ever to Disneyland. Uh, flew out there with uh, me, a couple cousins, my sister, etc., and the families. And on the flight back, back, back home to, to dusty old Albuquerque, New Mexico, from Southern California, <laughs> after visiting Universal Studios yeah. and seeing the whole Wild West stunt show and stuff, we ended up sitting on the plane next to a couple stunt guys. No way! And they were so cool. They spent the entire like three hour flight. Talking to me and my cousin and my sister, all about like and showing us some headshots. No way. Stuff. They did. I remember one of the guys did work on Bill and Ted's. He was uh, Keanu Reeves stunt guy. No way. I, I think for some of that. And the other guy did a bunch of stunts on uh, the Star Trek: The Next Generation. I remember that and they had a bunch of pictures of them in that. Got signatures. They. I think they. We even got their our pictures with them. And I'm going to have to figure out where those are. But but the fact that these guys were so cool and just entertained a couple you know 12-year-olds an entire plane ride and kind of led us in on, oh, yeah, this is what we're – actually, they were flying out to Albuquerque to do a movie. Uh-huh, probably. Uh, it was called The Heavy, I think. I'm going to have to look that up. But still, it made such a mark on me. I was like, stuntmen really are cool. <laughs>
2: they are cool. I <laughs> always
1: thought so. We might as well have met some jet fighter pilots. Yeah. I don't some know astronauts. Why be sitting a coach right? on a Southwest flight. but <laughs> They could drive themselves. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it was that kind of level. And so, I don't know. Stunts have not only been one of the most important things in making movies entertaining, Well, but they mean going something back, special to me.
2: Going back to Buster Keaton. Remember that yep. with the he's standing and the building falls on him?
1: When you have no choice but to do all practical effects. <laughs> yeah, and you're standing let a, there you let a whole building fall on
2: a building facade falls and you're standing in the window space and it just goes right over you. You know yeah. it's just the beginning and it's the tumbling and the falling and the goofiness and all that stuff. I mean yep. this is the what very movie's
0: first were really
1: actual cool. movie, The Great Train Robbery. Had it's a bunch was. of stunts
2: stunts. <laughs> That's
0: right. That was basically
1: it. its one trick. Yeah. It's what well the first gimmick was hey this is a movie get ready for this world yeah and the other one was and we got a bunch of stunts and gunshots
0: yeah
1: I mean that's I don't know there, that that is so integral to entertaining us now yeah if i take I away think, um, if
2: this if this one if if this show could accomplish anything it's that it gives us kind of the opportunity to kind of put a name on it or to talk about yeah. it a little bit.
1: Let the you know, man be unknown. No longer. more. Can we say that right? Cut the man, Or punch him in the face. <laughs> I love that. He can take it. <laughs> That's right. He can take it. He made, he made uh, Redwood a star. No. No. Red, Redford looked so fine. Damn Redford it. Redford
2: looks so good. Damn it, that no, song
1: is frustrating.
2: Redford, me. such a star, and made Eastwood look so fine.
1: There you go. Yeah. That'll, and then he did something it. with Raquel Welch, I remember. He too. did a lot of her. All right. Well, there we go. (laughs) Special thanks to Lee Majors, (laughs) Burt Reynolds, all the other great stuntmen. Yeah. The ones that we don't know. Uh Uh, And I guess that's about enough of this. That's enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. this is enough of this.
2: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?